Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Okay, thank you. Good afternoon. Um, it's, it's an honor, really, to stand before you this afternoon to share the Word of God. And for all of us to be here, to hear the Word of God in freedom and with a peace of mind. Amen. It is a privilege. And so I would like to share from the book of Acts. There's a story there in the book of Acts that has encouraged my own life. And I thought if we look at it together this afternoon, that could encourage you too. So those with Bibles and I Bibles and all sorts of Bibles, if you can open them to the book of Acts chapter 3, I would like to read from verse 1 to 10. So that will be Acts 3. 1 to 10. I shall start reading. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate, cold, beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, and as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the, as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Amen. And so the book of Acts is the book of Acts of the apostles. It lists the acts that the apostles did or the works. Okay? And so as it's the beginning of the book of Acts, it talks about when they gather and the Holy Spirit descends upon them. And Peter Gavanna, last time he came here, he talked about when we've been filled by the Holy Spirit, we get filled to move. He fills us to move. To act, to do something. And so here we find the apostles, Peter and John, two of the apostles. They had been filled by the Holy Spirit. 
And they are moving. And this is one of the acts we see here. So where we are reading here, they get to this beautiful gate. It's their routine to go to prayer every day at this point in time. And there's a man begging. And as they see him there, they say, look at us. He looked at them. They healed him in Jesus' name. Now as I look at this man in this story, the Bible says he was lame from birth. He couldn't walk. He could not do things for himself. So in the passage we read, he had to rely on his friends or his relatives to take him to this beautiful gate. By the way, it's a gate to the temple. So they carry him day in, day out, and leave him there. He begs for money, and they take him back home. They bring him another day. That's his routine. He's a good man because life has dealt him with these cards, and he has to make the most out of it. This is his lot in life. And so he's making money. He's making a living. Albeit he's begging. And I thought about our lives today. That there are situations we find ourselves in. As we walk through life. Life is beautiful. Life has been given to us by God. It's amazing. But along the way, we find ourselves living like this man. You look at me, you're thinking, no, we don't. We do not beg. We go to work. We work for our money. But really, sometimes we do. Because situations or difficulties or events happen in our lives that render us crippled. And so we find ourselves stuck in sports or situations where we really can't do or the ability to do what we should do is gone. We really can't. Speak the way we used to. Our voices are gone. We can't carry ourselves the way we used to. We have forgotten even our names. And so sometimes it could be death of loved ones. The grief can hurt us so much that sometimes it turns into anger. And that anger, we become angry with ourselves, with other people, with God, and we are stuck there. It cripples us. We find ourselves living on crutches. And I've titled my message today, A Life Beyond the Crutches. Sometimes it's relationships, those who dare to love. You are rejected. And what happens when somebody rejects you, you become negative. Your self-esteem is eroded. 
your self-respect is gone. Sometimes, as we are growing up as children, our parents might not have been so nice. We would have been brought up in a nasty way. It's happening in our time. It's happening in our lives, in our cities. And it's been happening before. That children get abused. And as you grow up, you harbor this bitterness within you. There's no one to take responsibility for it. You don't know how to deal with it. So what do you do? You self-medicate. Some become addicted to drugs or to alcohol just to numb the pain. My friends, we become crippled. We are on crutches. And sometimes it's tragedy that keep happening to one person. Something bad happens last week. This week it's something again or next month happens again and you start wondering, will I ever be happy? In fact, to some you look for tragedy when something doesn't, bad does not happen. You look out for it. You start living for it. Ooh, something did not happen today. That's bad. Ooh, my day is not going to go okay. We are stuck. We are crippled. We are crippled. We start living on crutches and some is illness. Our physical body. They give in and things happen to it. We, we live fearfully. We don't know the future. And we're in constant fear. And so like the layman in the passage you've read, he could not move to do anything for himself. He was crippled. He had to beg for a living. But I come to tell you this afternoon, we don't have to stay that way. Because as we read further on, you find this man gets healed. He gets healed. So I've thrown all these situations to us this afternoon. But only you know where your voice is gone. Only you know where your self-esteem is gone. Only you know why you are so negative. Only you know why you are so stuck and you don't trust anyone. Your guard is always up. You know what has caused that? And should we stay in that situation? I say no. We shouldn't. Because I believe it's the will of God that we get healed, we get restored. And so what I would like to bring this afternoon that we look together in this passage is what we can do to move from a life of crutches to a life beyond the crutches.
Okay? And so Acts chapter 3 verse 2 says this. The passage is just read. Now a man was lame from birth, was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple. He was just who he was. He was lame. He was crippled. That was him. And the first point I want us to understand here is as you go through suffering or hurts or pain or where you are stuck or where you've been crippled, I want you to know that you are not alone. In this passage, it happened thousands of years ago. There is this man. He was suffering too. You are not alone. In fact, I believe if we're going to ask or take a survey from each and everyone sitting here and say, tell us about your life. You will find everyone who list, it's been tough. There and there. We all experience suffering at some point in our lives. In fact, Job 14 verse 1. Job being a man, we all know he lost a lot. He was tried to the core. Lost everything. And this is what he says. He says, mortals born of women are a few days and full of trouble. Which I want to believe here. That we are all born of women. I think so. (laughs) And so if we've been born to this earth, it's a given that at some point, you might experience an uncomfortable situation. In these short days we've got on this earth, you will experience something that rattles your life. Something that throws you off. You are not alone. Even Job went through it. The lame men we are talking about went through it. Everyone I believe sitting here some point, they would have gone through something. Jesus himself, if we look at the way he came to earth, imagine you are his mom and you can't find any way to give birth to this precious king. In fact, God chooses that he gets born in a manger next to animals. I don't know being a mother and you've got a little baby next to animals. In this day and age, with health and safety, we, it's, not, it's not right. But they had to do what they had to do. That's how our king came. That's how he came into earth. And you look at his life. Constantly. They kept watching him. Listening to what he's saying. Wanting to kill him. Eventually they killed him. I wonder how many of us will say, I want to be like, I want to be Jesus today. To go through the life he went through. And so I want us to understand. Not because it's, I want to scare you to say, oh my goodness, life is so difficult. There's trouble in it. But really that it's to, to gear ourselves 
We are soldiers in battle. And so we get wounded once in a while, but we still soldier on. We march on. We go. We keep going. It's part of life. Just to be encouraged by it. You're not alone. You're not alone. And sometimes we don't realize that the people are going through difficulties because suffering has got different faces to it. Some people suffer mentally until they tell us, or maybe when something drastic happened, we could never know. We will never know. So we look at them, we think they've got it all together all the time, but really, there's so much going on. Some people physically, they are going through so much. And some people, it's emotional. Some, it's spiritual. So there's different faces to it. And I want to encourage you that talk to others. Your eyes will be opened. We, in Aspire last time, we had two women talking and sharing their journeys in life. Aspire is the ladies' ministry in this church. So after that event, we came out thinking, oh my goodness, I didn't know that about her. And you feel you know that person better now. And so it's important we talk. Know what others are going through. You're not alone. I have a sister, um, my sister, I was talking to her a few weeks ago. She had a stroke last year. And uh, we prayed, we prayed to God and she was healed. Amen. <laughs> I've never seen people not excited about healing. Yeah, she was healed. <laughs> and this year, a few months ago, she had another stroke. This time it wasn't so good, the way it hit her. And it altered her body, it altered her physical being, her speech, her walk. It, it, she hasn't been fully healed. And then as she had that stroke, what happened next is a few weeks afterwards, there was a cyclone in Zimbabwe. She lives in Zimbabwe, by the way. And of all the places, her area where she lives was so hit by this cyclone. It came from Mozambique, which is neighbors with Zimbabwe, and it hit her area so bad. And there she is. She, she can't move properly. She's almost about to lose a job because she can't work anymore. Because the stroke has altered her physical being. Lo and behold, cyclone hits. She loses everything. She watches as their homes are being swept away and nothing to do. Not only that, she lost her brother-in-law. In fact, they watched him being swept away to his death. 
And they, they couldn't do anything about that. And their friends, some of the mothers, because a lot of them can't swim, they're watching their little ones being swept away with the cyclone. And as I was talking to her, she, she said, as if the economy of Zimbabwe is not bad enough at the moment. My health has been hit. As if that's not enough, I'm losing my job. As if that's not enough, I've lost loved ones. As if that's not enough, I've lost pretty much everything. What's next? I didn't know what to say to her. That point as well, where I looked at myself, I thought, yeah. You know, I can't, there's not enough words to say or enough money that can buy anything back for her or people who have gone through some other things in life like that. But I say to you, you know, you're not alone. And as the words of Peter and John in this passage you've read, I haven't got much. But what I've got is Jesus. And so cling on to him with everything you've got that's left. And so I want to tell you the same words this afternoon. You're not alone. In everything that you're going through, in fact, there are others going probably through similar or have been through similar, or they're about to go through similar situations. And to add to that, I, sometimes we, the sufferings we go through, they can be caused by the things we've done, by our sins. In John 5, verse 14, there's a man here. Jesus heals him. He was paralyzed. Then Jesus follows him and he said these words to him after he's healed him. See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. And I, I believe as Christians, we, we need to be aware of that. That there's consequences to a lot of things that we do. If God said, don't do it, don't do it. Because there's consequences to it. And so sometimes it's to look at the things that have crippled us and, and, and really assess it and think, am I doing something to contribute to that? If I am, might I stop? And sometimes when we find ourselves we've sinned, shame creeps in. We are shamed. That cripples us again. We don't want to talk to anyone. We don't want people to call us anymore. We hide away because we are full of shame. But it's the devil's lie. We need to come back to God. Sometimes he, 
Our suffering can be caused by other people, really. That other people in our lives, their choices can cause us to suffer. What they choose to do affects us because we are part. We are in relationships with them all. And we are at the receiving end of that. And sometimes in the story of Job, it's as if we look at it and it's as if God really allows that to happen. But in John 9, 3, there's a man born blind there and the disciples ask Jesus, who sinned in this situation? Is it his parents? Is it him? Or why is he blind? Because they were believing that for him to be blind, he would have sinned. It's not always the case. In fact, Jesus tells them that neither him or his parents sinned. But this has happened so the works of God can be seen. And so sometimes it's to look at those situations we are in and where we've, we are stuck or where we are crippled and to look at it and think, have I contributed to that? Am I doing something to make this worse? So if it's other people, how do I tackle it? to encourage you that as you walk through this remember you are not alone you are not on your own and when we know that when we have peace and we know we are not alone let's give our full attention to God Acts 3, 4 to 5, where we've just read, Peter looked straight at him as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. They say, look at us. And I want you to picture this happening and imagine a man begging sitting there. He's sitting by the gate to the temple and people are passing by as they are going into the temple he's asking them for money then these two men come look at us there's sort of a disruption there isn't it to his routine to his day to what he does look at us he has to make a decision to either look at these two men or continue to ask for money from those passing by. He needs the money to support himself. It's important. But what we find here is what these two men, John and Peter, wants to give him is way more than money. But the man didn't know that, did he? But really, I think he was, he had a little bit of faith there because he says he looked at them expecting something. Because he knows, they know his situation. They, they are calling them, him to look at them. Surely they want to give him something. 
So he decides to look, the, to look at them expecting something. So I wonder in our lives as well. That as God is saying, give me your full attention. Are we doing so? There's so much we know that's vying for our attention. That needs our attention. That's distracting us from fully giving God our attention. And so I pose this question. What are the things in your life that are distracting you? Some of us, we we have given God attention, but we are expecting him to give us something. We want something. We know God gives things, so we know he will give us something. And so day in, day out, we come to church. Even in our prayer, it's filled with I want, I want, I want. We know you give something, so we want something. But what we don't realize is he knows our needs. He knows what we need and what's important for us. And so sometimes our wants are not met by God. And we are forever praying for that. Still waiting for God to give me that. He will. Probably eventually. But what he's calling us for is, look, I am looking, I've got you in my hands. I have got you in my mind. I know I've created you. I know what makes you tick. I know how to make you whole. Look at me. I know what you are missing. It's not about the bitterness you've got. I want to get to the root of it. And so he's saying, look at me. Give me your attention. Let's deal with your source of the problem. Because most of the time, we just want the surface. How we are feeling right now is what we address. I'm so angry, but really God is saying, I want to get rid of that root of your anger. I don't like it. I don't like him. God wants to get to the root of why you don't like everyone. And so he's asking for our full attention. That we look at him sometimes. The word is amazing. We, we've got technology. It's amazing. I, I love it. And we're looking at the time we are living. It's, it's so good. We've got the microwave. So when you get a standard kitchen, you've got a microwave, you've got an oven, you've got, some people have got double ovens. You've got um, rice cooker, you've got a slow cooker, you've got every cooker. <laughs> and, and the belief is this, that these things have been sold to us so we can have more time. So our cooking is easier. Work it in the slow cooker. It cooks itself. Fabulous. I've got more time to myself. Work it in the oven. Or in the microwave. Somehow, sometimes, even with all that, we still go for takeaways. It's amazing. 
But with all these gadgets, with all these things, so we create more time to ourselves, they walk in the mobile phone. And then what you find, I don't know if it's just me, that I've quickly met my meals and I've got more time to myself. But I'm just going to spend five hours on the mobile phone, scrolling through, whatever, and whatever. I've got no idea what I'm looking at. (laughs) Is it just me? (laughs) It's amazing, isn't it? And so we are so tired at the end of the day. We can't. We've got all these things and we are so tired. It's like we've been weeding the, the fields. We are so tired. You see, the devil is okay if we are running around like that and busy like that and spending our times in things we don't even, we can't even really tell what we were actually doing on the phone. Oops, three hours just went by and just on social media. And so God is compelling us and asking us to give up, to give him our full attention. To really make him priority in our lives. The lame man, he looked at Peter and John There is faith that when God says, look, I am the one you need here. Look to me. And that as Christians, we've got that faith to say, to believe that what God said you do, you will do. And so what we do is we really look to him. And say, yes, I found myself, I've been crippled by this. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. But Lord, I look to you. I give my life into your hands. You sort this out. We surrender fully to him. Not halfway. Not if he doesn't give me money to fix my car. I'm not ever going to go back to that church. The lamb man, he wanted money. That's why he was on the, on the gate. Money is good. Pastor Phil preached last week and he said, it's difficult to please two masters, isn't it? We can never satisfy either. <laughs> you might as well just. And I remember Jonathan Conrad gave an example where when you are like that, I can't do it properly here. But you, you know, your leg is in the world. Your leg is in the church. And you keep stretching. It's not good. It hurts in the end. And so money, money is good. We have to pay our bills. We have to pay for food. But what we need to realize is money can buy food. But it does not buy appetite. Money can help us buy a house. But it doesn't buy us a home. It can help us buy insurance. But it doesn't buy us security. 
We can buy fashion and look good and, you know, look sick. <laughs> well, if you were here when Peter preached, you would get this. <laughs> but it, money cannot buy our self-esteem. We can buy people to promote us at work. We can buy promotions. But it, money does not buy you self-respect. And so money can be used to your limit. It's, it's okay. It's a means. But if we spend our lives chasing it, we are losing it. And so there are things in our lives that are vying for our attention. We might just need to change how we do things. Really give God our full attention. And I believe for that layman, that was a that was a defining moment for his miracle that followed. Him deciding to ignore John and Peter and keep asking money for the people who were passing. He could have done that. He would still have done that. We would never have read about his miracle. But his defining moment is that he chooses to say, wow, they called me to look at them. I shall see what they've got for me. And so some of us, we are sitting here today. God has been calling you and you know it. You know it. Deep down in your heart, you know it. You know it. And the defining moment is you turning around and say, here I am. Here I am. And it's personal to you. And for some of us, we've got to step up in faith, believing God that what he said he'll do, he's going to do it. And so the begging we've been doing from people, from the world, we might just have got to limit that. Turn around and say, Lord, I believe in you. You know it all. I give you my full attention. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus said, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you'll find rest for your souls. It's only in Jesus that we'll find satisfaction. It's only in Jesus that we will find what we are looking for. Only in Jesus. Some of us will, we might say, I've been praying, you know, I've been really talking to God, I've been asking, and nothing is coming through, you know. The book of Samuel, Samuel is a boy, he He's sleeping and he hears a voice. God calls his name, Samuel. He hears it. And he goes to Eli and says, did you call me? 
Say, no. No. In the end, he says, go back. If you hear that voice again, say, here I am, Lord. But it could be some of us today. Just go back. Keep going back to God. Keep going back. He's got you in his hands and he hears your prayers. So when we've given God our full attention, God uses our suffering to demonstrate his glory. And in Acts 3, 7 to 10, the passage you are reading says, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. He gives his attention to Peter and John. Peter holds him and says, What I have, I'll give you. Silver and gold we haven't got. So in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up. He gets up, he looks at his ankles, he looks at his feet. Oh my goodness, it's a miracle. Can you imagine that? So the miracle happens to him. It's a personal encounter for him. And then what happens after this? He went with them to the temple courts. And people who saw him, they recognized him. That's him who was sitting at the temple gate called Beautiful. What just happened? They were not used to seeing him in the temple, you see. They were used to seeing him at the gate. But this time, this is a man now made whole. He is with them in the temple courts. And people are in awe. They are amazed. What just happened? And so what happens here, they start to gather. As you read this passage of scripture, they are in awe. They are in amazement. The Bible says, at that point, Peter sees an opportunity. He starts preaching the gospel. In fact, he challenges them. He says, why are you in awe? This is what Jesus does. And then as you read further in Acts chapter 4, verse 4, it says, But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men, just men, who believed grew to about 5,000. In Acts chapter 2, they mention a thing about the church being 3,000 and just men. And here it grew to about 5,000. Why? Why? Because a lame man 
sitting by the beautiful gate who has been begging for more than 40 years. He said yes to Jesus. He said yes. And so he himself was made whole. But other people too were made whole. His life became a living testimony. His life evangelized to those who saw him. And I wonder now, us, that our changed lives, as we've come to know Christ, what is it teaching? When those around us see us going through crisis or gliding in this lovely life, are they in amazement of what God has done? Are they in awe of what God has done? Are you in awe of your own life? If you look at your own life, you'll be like, wow. God has been amazing to me. Always forever. Oh. There's always something. Of course there's always something. But you know what I mean. Because I believe it changed the life. It's such an amazing testimony to your groaning world. To your broken world. That as we live as God has called us to. The world needs it. You need it. I need it. Your changed life. Needs to change lives. If he had told that lame man. Probably years before. or The day before he met Peter and John. I said, you know what? Your life can be changed. Your life shall bring thousands to the church. You would have just looked at everything. What are you talking about? What that tells us is everyone sitting here, however crippled you think you are, there is a purpose to your life. If that man who was lame, the man who was begging, he could make such an impact for the gospel to move. You sitting here, my friends, there are greater things that God is calling you to achieve in this short life. But we can only find out when we give our full attention to God. You cannot achieve it on your own. There's a greater purpose to your life. Why you thought this is it? I've drawn a line here. Nothing works for me. It's the devil's lie. There's more to you. There's more to you. Peter challenges people as you read. He says, why are you in awe? (laughs) This is what Jesus specializes in. 
Jesus specializes in making us whole. Specializes in using our difficulties for his glory. That as you are made whole, it benefits the people around you. Our children have got to look at life and think, it's fabulous. Why? Because their parents have said yes to Jesus. Our grandchildren have got to say, God is good. Why? Because their grandparents have lived your life of following Christ. Our friends have got to look at you and think, I want to be her friend because how does she do it? Because she's got Jesus. The church of Jesus Christ, it has to be edified by your life. By you. There's a commission. Emmanuel said there's a mandate. Punish and everyone's life. We all might not be standing up here to preach to people, but your life has got to model the life of a Christian. And I leave that with you. What has crippled you? Where did you lose your voice? What stopped you? Or what's stopping you? Because Jesus wants to make you whole. Those who are feeling shame, Jesus wants to make you whole. Those who are bitter, Jesus wants to make you whole. Those who are ill, Jesus wants to heal you. If I can call the team, the music team. Luke 4 verse 18. Luke 4 verse 18, it says that. These are the words of Jesus. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. And recovery of sight for the blind. To release the oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. These are Jesus' own words. He has come to set the captives free. It's been done to this man, the lame beggar. Beggar. He was set free. 
the same message still alive today because Jesus is alive. The same message is for you today. My friends, I, I cannot think of a life as painful lived. That we did not live to our full potential in this short life. When we leave this earth. You see, this lame man, he, his friends who put him on the, on the gate. That's just about the place where they will leave him. And they will go. Come back, get him day in, day out. And it's a gate to the temple. He's almost there. But he's not. Some of us, we, we are here in church. We've been in church for a while. But we have never encountered Jesus. Beautifully, we are sitting here. Beautifully, we sing hymns. He never lets go. Oh, no, he doesn't. But we don't know him. Almost. Almost. I want to challenge you this afternoon. That change the way you do things. Decide that I need to know this Jesus. I need to give him my full attention. See what happens. See what happens. I believe your miracle will come. You see when his friends put him there and they've done their job really. I, I think they're good people. They're helping their friend. So some of us, people have been helping us for a while. People have been helping us for a while and they just get us so far. So far and they leave us. Because really, no human can carry the job of God. They can carry us so far and after that, it's a personal journey, my friends. When his miracle happened, when he got his legs, you know what he did? He jumped. Ah! He walked. Other versions of the Bible say he ran. He praised God. And he joined Peter and John and he ran into the temple with them. And so when people have carried us so far in our lives, we need to be grateful for that and realize sometimes then it becomes a personal journey. We have known Christ now. So what do we need to do? Is to jump into that temple by ourselves. Because sometimes what happens is when a miracle happens to us, 
We spend so many years admiring ourselves about it, talking about it, which is brilliant. And it stops with us. But this man here, it didn't stop with him. In fact, his miracle, he runs with it. A thousand people gives their lives to Christ. The church grows. And so, what God has done for us, it's not just for us. We have to edify the church. Join in with men and women of God. I've encountered God. I want to be part of the movement. I want to be part of his church. What can I do? And so some of us here sitting today, we might just need to do that. God has got our full attention. We've been delivered from all sorts and we know that. But it's all about us. It stops with us. But as we see with this man, no, it's not just about him. And so sometimes even as we are seeking solutions to our crisis in the world, we beg. We beg for leftovers from the world and our father is saying, I'm here. I've got it for you. What is it you are seeking? What is it that has crippled you? My friends, this afternoon I came to tell you that the words of Jesus that is said in Luke, that he came to give life. To set the captives free. Freedom is yours today. But you decide by giving him your full attention. Freedom is yours today. Because Jesus Christ has done it all. He's got your security sorted. He's got your self-respect sorted. He knows the makeup of your body. He knows you. He knows. He knows. If we can all stand. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.